pray with me? Loving God, would we enter into the knowledge, the realization of all your good gifts around us, for the ways you provide when we're scarcely conscious of it, that truthfully your seed might take root in our souls, in our lives, that we might bear fruit worthy of the gifts that you give us, that we may share them freely. Be with us in this time, we pray. Amen. Today you will receive this beautiful brochure that our Stewardship and Budget Ministry team has put together. It is bathed in green, and it says, Giving to Grow, Growing to Give. And I think of it as telling a story about United Parish, about where we are right now in our lives. It's not just about stewardship season, it's about the yearly season of our church and all the many good things going on. They have framed this brochure with two passages, one we heard last week, the parable of the sower, and the one we heard today from the second letter of Paul to the church at Corinth. And just for review, since everything we do on Sunday morning is review, last week we heard the parable of the sower about the seed falling on rocky ground, falling where the birds got it, falling on the parched ground, and then falling in the fertile soil, which when Jesus afterwards explained it to his disciples said, the good soil is a good and honest heart, where the seed takes root and, and thrives with patient endurance. That the seeds are the word of God, and as we discussed last week, they are the gifts that Jesus has encouraged us to share, the gifts of love and compassion and doing justice, of helping those who are in need. And each time we plant those seeds, we are doing the work of God. And the conclusion that I came to last week with those is that that parable tells us that like the sower, we should plant those seeds and sow them indiscriminately that we shouldn't decide ahead of time that that ground is no good for this seed. We should just go ahead and toss forth that love and compassion and justice and caring for others as generously as possible. Paul today continues in that same theme, that same metaphor, because it works so well for the hearers then, and I think it still works well for us, these growing agricultural metaphors, and says, look folks, here's the point. If you're going to sow sparingly, you're going to reap at harvest time sparingly, but if you're willing to do it abundantly, you will get an abundant harvest. Paul was actually talking about serving a church at that time that was growing in scope of its mission, growing in an understanding of who they were, growing in their understanding of their connection to other people, and earlier he talks about a little church like theirs, like the one in Corinth, that had been off in a place called Macedonia, raising funds for the poor, in Jerusalem. Three places suddenly finding themselves tied together by this common movement of people on the way trying to follow Jesus. Macedonia, Corinth, and Jerusalem. And he boasts about what they did in Macedonia. They went out there wholeheartedly to collect money for the poor folks in Jerusalem. They even stopped at their own funds and went out begging, as he says in the streets. We would say fundraising. He went out, they went out and got more funds than they had to share with the people in Jerusalem, they're starting to see that they're connected. And this is very exciting for Paul because he sees that this movement is taking root. It is spreading. 
It is spreading like the weedy mustard bush that Jesus talked about. Now, I think that sometimes we get cajoled into thinking that generosity, as Paul is talking about it, is against human nature. That it's not actually how we are wired. I think we've been entering in a, meta, in a narrative for many years in Western culture in which we think that generosity is sort of a side effect or it's a, an afterthought. I was just reading about this in the Wall Street Journal, an article that said the Darwinian principle of survival of the fittest echoes what many people believe about life. To get ahead, you need to look out for number one. A cursory read of evolutionary doctrine suggests that selfish individuals able to outcompete others for the best mates and the most resources and most likely to pass, are most likely to pass their genes on to the next generation. Similarly, in classical economic theory, holds that given the choice, we will often opt for a personal benefit over a personal loss, even if that loss involves some sort of benefit to someone else. And the philosopher and economist John Stuart Mill championed the self-centered theory in the mid-1800s, describing human beings as creatures that do that by which they may obtain the greatest amount of necessities, conveniences, and luxuries with the smallest quantity of labor and physical self-denial. Indeed, I think the capitalist system in which we work encourages us to think about this in terms of competition, about getting ahead, and even about making my profit, covering my expenses, making my profit, and then I'll figure out what I do with it. Now, you and I have all benefited from capitalism, and I'm not going to diss it in one full sheath because it is a part of how we all got to be here today and the process which we all participate in. I will say that if we were to live solely by biblical principles, I don't think we would be in a capitalistic economy. I believe that we would be one in which we first look at the resources we share in common and then how to share those with the world and then how to increase that shared value we have together. I was discussing this passage with a Jewish friend who'd grown up in temples in which you have membership dues, in which you pay a cost up front, and if you need that cost on a sliding scale, they'll work with you, but it stated very clearly what the cost is for each family. And she said, I think you Christians have got it all wrong with this God loves a cheerful giver thing. Actually, I think you should give, even if it's painful, because that's what you should do. If you, feel gen if you feel cheerful about it, good for you, but that's not the point. <laughs> I think, though, that Paul was onto something which even now evolutionary scientists and positive psychologists are realizing. They're realizing that actually we function better. We are actually more productive. We actually use more of our brains when we are generous. They will tell you that the way the brain has developed over creatures over millions of years and ages has gotten bigger because of our capacity to care for one another, to show compassion, to be in communities in which we are regularly required to express our generosity and care for one another. They will tell you that when we actively, passive, uh, actively practice generosity, we actually feel better. In fact, the scientist quoted in the Wall Street Journal did MRIs of people who were making decisions to donate money. And they found that it that they fired up the same parts of the brain that have to do with sex and food cravings. 
that actually the part of our brain which feels pleasure is associated with the same of giving and giving generously. So with that in mind, I think that Paul knew something about the human condition, about how communities should go, but as he said, make up your mind not under duress or out of coercion, but as you discern and pray about it. Now this passage has been used repeatedly for stewardship sermons, and that is part of the case here because we're at that point in the year in which we all reassess what our financial pledges are to this church and how we contribute. And I want to talk a little bit about what you're going to see in this brochure and a little bit of the nitty-gritty just so you know what it is. But let me first say that I believe that Christian community, what we're doing here, is about helping us to be our best spiritual selves. About helping us live in compassion and love and generosity of spirit, to work for justice, to help the poor, to affect and change systems that work against these godly principles and these godly desires. And that our job here together is to increase this spirit of generosity in the world around us, to spread those seeds as widely as possible and as often as possible. And so I think that has to become the standard for anything we do here. As I mentioned last week, we are growing in many different ways, and we are, similar to the church at Corinth, having a renewed interest in what the scope and breadth of our ministry is how we solidify it here, and how we share it in the world. And you will see that reflected in this brochure. Just to review a little bit of the process, this stewardship and budget ministry team is made up of people who represent different facets of our congregation's life. They called together our different ministry teams in early March to hear what is going well and what they would like to strengthen and even how they would like to expand. And they have organized it for you in terms of our essential roots, what we believe needs to happen for us to continue to sustain what we're doing now, as well as room for growth. And because we live in a culture in which we do need funds and resources to do this, there are dollars attached to that for you to consider. They have estimated that if we were to keep with our essential growth, what we're doing right now, to keep it strong, that we would need to do an 18% bump up in stewardship, in what our pledges are to one another. And that if we were to give all of the growth items, we would actually have to do a 36% bump up. Now to many of us, those are intimidating intimidating terms and we'd rather not talk about them, but I do believe being able to talk honestly about money is a sign of health in any community or family we're part of. What I'll tell you is this, that we are all invited to be cheerful givers in this and to assess how we may contribute. I will also tell you that as I hope you'll read and pray over these pictures and these ideas carefully, many of them are just obvious things. How do we keep our nursery program solid so that young families coming into our church feel welcomed and there's a place for their kids in the earliest parts of their spiritual lives? Some of it's about increasing the word so more people know about us out in the community. How do we get signage out of there? How do we best use our website to reach other people and let them know about the goodness and the joy that is United Parish? Some of them are how do we increase our efforts at challenging systems of injustice? How do we get speakers in to educate us and help us organize around these things? And one of the chief desires in this brochure is how do we gather together more as a community and relate more regularly with one another in informal social situations so that we may know one another better. So I invite you to take this. I invite you to think about 
how all the ways that people have been generous in your life, to think about all the ways that this community sustains you spiritually, and then what it calls from you to give forth. Now, the challenge they've given us specifically is if those of us who are pledging would raise our pledge by 15%. That means if you're giving $100, you give $115, or if you're giving $3,000, you give $3,450. And that all those people who are not yet pledging, if you would go ahead and pledge, this will help us in our planning and meeting these essential needs for growth. I want to encourage you to pray about that, what's best for you. Some of us, as you know, the biblical imperative is to give 10% of our income. I have yet to serve in a church that does that. I have yet to see a church in the United Church of Christ, my denomination, that does that. I do know that if all of us did that, we would have more than enough. But a lot of us do what may be a 5% tie of 5% of our income to some organization like our church and 5% to other communities or organizations we think are worthy of our resources. Good financial planning people will tell you that if you give 10% away and you save 10%, and you live off the rest, you can do that. Now, I'm aware that we are all of us in different financial situations, me included, and so we have to make up that together. What I am grateful for is a place where people have already sowed and reaped generously. The Congregationalists who built this church, in which we move and live and have our being, the Methodists who came and joined them, and the Baptists who came and joined them, all the different funds that we have in which we help people in emergency, these were set up by people with faithful purposes who are seeking to spread the seed of God's love and to sow it bountifully. I believe we're at a time in which we get to expand on that, when we get to honor those who come before us and live out that legacy, not for their sake, but for the sake that God and the things that God cares about have an effective witness right here in Coolidge Corner on this plot of earth that is a part of God's kingdom.